is an awful gulf that separates the creature from the creator. Jay Gresham Machen, Christianity and Liberalism. Hey everyone, this is Mike Grimes. Welcome to the Pactum. I'm here again today with Pat Abendroth. And Pat, before we get to that awfully good quote by Machen... I see what you did there. <laughs> what's new with you? Where, are you? where have you been? We've not seen each other since the last time we recorded we this podcast. No, we haven't. So just got back from spring break with my family and we spent the week in Arkansas. Arkansas, where at? Uh, Bentonville, Ar- Benton. I better not go there. I was going to try to do accents, but they don't really seem to have accents in Bentonville. <laughs> it's not far, far south enough. So I do know we have listeners from Arkansas. So uh, we went to Bentonville, which is home of Walmart. Yeah. But for us, we've been going there a lot lately to mountain bike, and it is amazing. Uh, we love going to Bentonville because I think there's something like 300 miles of groomed single track mountain wow. bike trails. You guys have been there like three times in the past year. And we love it. We love the food from a place called Oven and Tap. Those of you who are in Bentonville or ever want to go, Oven and Tap is all that. They should pay us for this advertisement. Uh, that's the place that takes potatoes, like a baked potato, but a small one. And then they boil it in vinegar. And after that, they smash it just enough to break the skin with a fork. Uh, Hopefully you can sense this through the airwaves, the (laughs) podcast airwaves, everyone. Uh, Then they smash it just a little bit and deep fat fry it with Parmesan cheese. Guess what it tastes like? It tastes like... Salt and vinegar chips. Oh, man. It is one of my very, good. very favorite things to eat. We're all addicted to them. So you eat there more than once each time? <laughs> so when it's just my kids, we go there multiple times a day. But my wife has a sanctifying effect in my life, <laughs> and she calls for balance. And so we can't even eat there every day unless we sneak there for lunch in between rides. <laughs> I will tell you also, if we bring our dog, Ozzy, then we tell her we're going to Barkansas. <laughs> And Ozzy gets pretty. Ozzy loves her some Barkansas. Barkansas. Oh man, that's funny. So that's what I've been up to. Uh, I know you've been up to a lot of preaching. Uh, what's it like preaching four times back to back on I'll Sunday? I tell you what, it's crazy how different it is doing that compared to music. I mean, it's more taxing, but at the same time, when I'm done, I'm more excited. I'm more alert. I'm more awake than I am when I do music. So tell me, what what's the best service? What people do you like best? <laughs> I can't. I can't say that in a recorded setting. However, it was eight o'clock this week, so <laughs> no, it was, I, it's great. I love doing it. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Just the opportunity to proclaim Christ four times on a Sunday morning. You leave energized, excited. It's great. I've tuned into the is it the ten o'clock service or ten thirty? Yeah, ten thirty. Ten thirty. So was encouraged watching uh, on on TV. So that was the first time I've ever done that oh, yeah. uh, since I was gone. So great job. I was encouraged and thankful. And I said to my wife at the end, I said, sadly, 98% of all preachers in the world, I'm afraid, don't know how to distinguish between the law and the gospel the way Hmm. Mike just did. And it warmed my heart. And I was so thankful. So I'm thankful for the sermons and the work of God in your life. Thank you for uh, being one of Machen's warrior children and seeing the difference difference between the law and the gospel for the glory of Christ. One more question about that. I do want to know what your fueling secrets were. A few, well, I've learned, I'm trying to learn from the master over here because (laughs) I've only, this is my second time doing four services. So the first time I didn't really have my bases covered, but I took cues from the picture you put on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Good. So I downed probably at least two bottles of water. I had a Powerade. I had, 
I did the RX bar. I did a blueberry. Have you ever had the blueberry? That's fantastic. Oh, I by like the that way. one. That That's one's good. good. Macadamia nuts, good yeah, too. I did a Cliff Builder bar for some protein, the mint chocolate. Smart to that's have some. Fantastic. That, yeah, that's a good one. They changed the wrapper on me though, so it's yep, kind of confusing. It is. And then I also did a body armor drink, which those are good. I had my first one a couple weeks ago, and I like them. If they sponsored the show, I might get behind it, but otherwise, I'm not quite sure. (laughs) (laughs) I had the strawberry banana. I liked it. It was good. So, but it seemed to work out. I made it through. It was great. Good, 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 good. Did you take a nap when you went home, or did you stay up? I stayed up. Good job. Yep, I did. Stayed up. Didn't want to have the post Sunday nap headache, so I pushed through. So let's dive into Machen's classic book, Christianity and Liberalism. Let's do it. Uh, Let's maybe recap before we do. uh, Why this book? Well, for starters, it's short. It's small. It looks good on the shelf. So 188 pages, at least my small version. It's free. You can get it online for free. Uh, You can have someone read it to you on YouTube. You don't even have to have Audible to do it. Uh huh. You can get paperback. You can get hardback. So, but then in on a more serious note. I would say the reason you want to read Christianity and liberalism and why we've been talking about it is because of the fact that yesterday's theological liberalism, in my opinion, is actually today's evangelicalism. Hmm. And that's troubling. Uh, A friend actually said uh, they appreciated the podcast, and I was thankful for that. And then they mentioned how theological liberalism is still a problem. And I would agree that that's the case. But in actuality, my greater concern is Today's evangelicals sound like yesterday's liberals. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's fitting for that reason. Stephen, Stephen Nichols, in his biography of Machen, uh, in talking about Harry Emerson Fosdick, who was Machen's arch rival, he was his foe, he's the popular guy, who's mm-hmm. the cool guy uh, back in the day. Uh, Nichols intriguingly observes that even today, quote, we meet him, him being Harry Emerson Fosdick, everywhere we turn. So alive and well, and it still is a problem today. And when we end up tinkering with the historic Christian faith and and changing it and adding to it and diluting it, uh, as Machen would say, we don't actually have Christianity anymore. They're two separate religions. Yeah. So today we want to engage with chapter three. Well, our chapter three. Sorry about that. Have we had some feedback on that? It's it's a ball of confusion, and I think it's my fault because my old copy uh, says it's chapter three, but I know on, the online version is different, perhaps? I think so, yeah. So the the anointed copy is chapter three, but elsewhere it may be another chapter. So <laughs> we're going to tell you today we're doing the chapter on God and man. Godly people think it's chapter three, and <laughs> but every everyone is welcome because we are inclusive. We are. <laughs> so Machen begins uh, by saying the doctrine of God and the doctrine of man are the two great presuppositions of the gospel. Hmm. And we should talk about what he's getting at there. Why would he say those are the two essentials of the gospel? If we don't have God right and if we don't have man right, we end up not even having Christianity. Right. And he's saying that is commonly the case. Right. So what, what do you think he's getting at there, Mike? I mean, if we don't truly know who God is... Uh, then the gospel doesn't make any sense. So it's it's imperative that we begin with understanding who God is. Something Machen will call rational theism, because right. you actually have to know with your mind and understand. And yeah. then how about on the, on the anthropology side of things? Yeah, be, he talks about that liberals are going to push that there are some essential goodness in man. And so if you have human beings who are essentially good, then this gospel doesn't even make sense. So again, important that we understand who man is rightly before a holy God. So Machen drops the gauntlet and says, therefore, this religion we're talking about here is diametrically opposed to Christianity. Yeah. 
I remember the first time I heard a preacher say diametrically opposed, and I thought it was so cool. (laughs) I didn't know much, and I thought, I'm going to use that. So they probably got it from (laughs) Machin. Oil and water, they don't mix. Once again, our title, Christianity and Liberalism, it's theological liberalism. It's um, denials of the supernatural, denials of the basics, denials of the truth about who God is, that he's knowable, uh, denials of things like sin and Mm -hmm. depravity, Mm -hmm. diametrically opposed. So maybe more about uh, knowing God. Uh, What would the liberals say about being able to know God and who he is. In our chapter, uh, Machen stresses the fact that they would suggest that God uh, needs to be felt. Mm. Uh, feelings. <laughs> you saying that last week. Nothing more than feelings. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, think something. I think, as, I think I did too. As kids, we used to, I don't know why we sang that song if it was popular back in the day. Who even sings that song? Do you know? I have no idea. I'm not old enough to know. <laughs> don't send us emails. We don't really want to know. So. Anyhow, so he he can't really be known and think about the fact that they don't want him to be known because then you could have a wrong understanding of who he is. Now we're dealing with objectivity and some people are right and some people are wrong. Uh, So instead, if he's felt instead of known, well, now all of a sudden we can we can all feel him in different ways. And it's still, quote unquote, true in a subjective sense. Right. So Machen ends up saying, if religion consists merely in feeling the presence of God, it is devoid of any moral quality, whatever. And in contrast, he says, the knowledge of God is the very basis of religion. How then shall God be known? How shall we become so acquainted with him that personal fellowship may become possible? Hmm. We won't be able to unless somehow we can actually know God. The knowability, not nobility, hmm. uh, the knowability of God is a thing, and it has to do with your mind. It has to do with uh, the objective, things that are true about him. Uh, and if they're not true, they're idolatrous, yeah. which is going to be offensive to people. And Machen is saying, well, so be it. Right. We, we need people to embrace the one true and living God or reject him uh, instead of just trying to build a crowd. Right. Yeah, because you're right. It becomes idolatrous because they want to fashion God into who they want him to be. You know, God in a box, uh, make up their version of God. And they don't have any idea who the God of the Bible is. They're making up their own. And so it's, it's slanderous. Since you mentioned slanderous, Machen actually picks up that theme, or you actually just picked up that theme, (laughs) but he picks up that theme and he talks about the reasonableness of defending someone's reputation, who you know and who you love, maybe a family member or a friend who is being slandered. Mm. And it would be admirable, it would be right, it would be appropriate for you to defend them and to say, hey, don't say that about that person. That's not true. And I like the way Machen picks up on that. When it comes to God, uh, people almost think, well, how dare you correct us? Mm -hmm. Uh, When people are spewing all of these things that are not true about God, well, what do we do if we're honorable, if we're brave, if we're thoughtful? We would say, hey, wait a second. I would defend my wife. I would defend or hopefully even someone who's not that close to me of God of all people. If you say things that are objectively not true about him, that are lies about him, I've got to say, hold on, stop. That's not true. Right. And that doesn't show that we're bullies. Uh, It doesn't show that we're unthoughtful. It actually shows we're just caring individuals. Hmm. He says, why should we be indignant about slanders directed against a human friend? When at the same time we are 
patient about the basest slanders directed against our God. So moving right along, Machen anticipates a favorite blasphemous, I'll have to say, a favorite objection uh, that theological liberals like to use, and quite honestly, everyone likes Mm -hmm. to use. And that objection would be what? Jesus is the answer. Indeed, Jesus is the answer, but he's not the answer (laughs) uh, for saying wrong things about God. Right. Yeah. He he anticipates it, and surely it's a common objection. People people will say, you know, what would Jesus drive? Right. Uh, Who would Jesus vote for? And he ends up being the poster child kind of for everything we might like to promote that's wrong and bad. And it had become popular in Machen's day to go against the objective knowability of God and say, well, actually, we have a simpler religion, uh, a more basic religion, and that is the religion of Jesus. Oh, it sounds so pious. It sounds so wonderful. Uh, And, you know, Jesus, uh, it was more along the lines of he just experienced God. Mm as opposed to facts, knowledge, knowing things. Uh, And Machen responds to the fact that even though that might sound pious to say, well, I just believe in Jesus and and I don't have doctrines and I don't have creeds, uh, Machen says that's that's derogatory toward him because Jesus definitely affirmed the knowability of God through nature, through moral law, and most importantly, through the scriptures. Machen says the religion of Jesus is the religion of theism, of rational theism, and that ends up being the the basis of biblical Christianity. Mm. So in the end, what we have is Jesus actually not siding with the theological liberals. The reality is Jesus affirmed the knowability of God in an objective sense because of natural law, because of the scripture, because of creation even. Jesus is talking about the knowability of God, not the feelability of God, uh, but he, the, the knowability of God. So again, Jesus is with historic Christianity, and the theological liberals are promoting and are part of something entirely different. Yeah, which that's an aha moment thinking about the title of the book. You have Christianity, you have liberalism. It's like, hey, the domain name is taken, so hands off. The domain name is already taken. I think that's a really helpful way of thinking of things. Uh, In some ways, I wish people who weren't Christians weren't allowed to call themselves Christians. Mm -hmm. But we need to learn from Machen. When they do, uh, we need to protect the name of God, if you will, uh, and and when he's being slandered, to say, hey, that's not right. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're a bully. It doesn't mean you're a jerk. Uh, it might mean you're brave and courageous. And Machen, I think, was those things. Yep. Next, Machen addresses the universal fatherhood of God in the book. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Just makes you feel all warm inside all warm when we talk about the, univer- the universal fatherhood of God. <laughs> it just makes us uh, sound so pious and so uh, righteous, if yeah. not self-righteous. Yeah. And obviously, this is still around today. Uh, he's the big man. He's the big man upstairs. Mm-hmm. He's going to find out if you've been naughty or nice. Santa Cosmic Claus. Santa Claus. <laughs> That's right. He's the one who helps those who help themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, universal fatherhood of God would encapsulate those th- those kinds of things. Yeah. And while it's true that God is over all and he's in control of all, he's the creator of all, it is not true that he, all are adopted into his family uh, in their sinful state. Yeah, Machen says, for the plain fact is that this modern doctrine of the universal fatherhood of God formed no part whatever of Jesus' teaching. And he says, the really distinctive New Testament teaching about the fatherhood of God concerns only those who have been brought into the household of faith. 
So at a minimum, we as Christians should think clearly about who has a relationship with God in a fatherly sense Mm -hmm. uh, through the Son and who doesn't. And it may seem at first mean to draw that distinction, but the fact is we want people to believe in Jesus. We want people to be adopted into the family, Uh, but it's not something that occurs naturally uh, by existing. It's something that occurs supernaturally by the power of the Spirit through the gospel. Yeah. And then to close out the first half of this chapter, the doctrine of God part, we come back to the awful part, the part you quoted at the beginning of this potentially awful episode. I think awful is one of my absolute favorite words. I love to use awful because it's good and provocative. Uh, Awful can mean terrible, Mm -hmm. can mean bad, but can also be, ah, ah, mouth open, awful, amazing. What a view. Machen uses it seven times in our book. Uh, It's awful to consider in a negative sense here when Machen says, the truth is that liberalism has lost sight of the very center and core of the Christian teaching, and that is the awful transcendence of God. Mm. From beginning to end, the Bible is concerned to set forth the awful gulf that separates the creature from the creator. Mm. So for starters, what's in view there is not not necessarily negative because God is the creator. We're the creature. There is an awful gulf, uh, awful as in great Mm -hmm. and significant because we're not the same. He's transcendent from us, creature, creator, creator, creature. But then there's also the negative side of things because of sin, because of cosmic rebellion, because of the fall, it's awful now in a very negative sense. Mm -hmm. And we need to be saved. We need to not be helped. We need to be rescued. We need to be delivered. But we need to remember that there is this distinction that happens naturally, but there's also the distinction that happens because of the fall as well. So Machen, in the chapter, he talks about pantheism. What's that all about? He accuses theological liberals of having a a pantheizing force. Spellcheck didn't like pantheizing Pantheizing. very much. (laughs) Uh, But where you don't, you obliterate, you don't have a distinction between creator and creature, Mm. and they all become kind of one and the same. And he would say that's basically what theological liberalism ends up doing Mm. when we blur the line between creator and creature creature. I realize we're just talking about Machen here, but I did pull up a helpful quote from Louis Burkhoff, a good Reformed theologian that might help our listeners think in terms of why he would accuse them of being pantheizing uh, and why we need to make sure we have this distinction. Uh, Burkhoff says, theism has always believed in a God who is both transcendent, think far away, if you will, uh, for simplicity's sake, and imminent, Mm. Think close uh, and personal, if you will. Deism removed God from the world and stressed his transcendence at the expense of his imminence. Under the influence of pantheism, however, the pendulum swung in the other direction. It identified God and the world and did not recognize a divine being distinct from and infinitely exalted above his creation. Hmm. So I think it's a helpful quote. Yeah. It's important that we know God is both transcendent and imminent. Yes. It's important that we understand both perspectives. Yeah. Then we have a swing and a miss regarding the doctrine of man. Swing and a miss. I think you need to be missional because we do have some non-American listeners and explain what a swing and a miss is. Just think cricket, but it's a little different, okay? (laughs) That's for you, Vinny. That is for Vinny. That's right. It's an Americanism for getting things wrong, right? Yes. You you swing and you you, you miss. Do they have a ball in cricket? I think, yeah. It looks like a ball. Something about a 
There's a bowler too. I have a I have a cricket ball in my office. But do they call it a ball? Vinit, you need to let us know. Yep. Since we're talking about anthropology, Mike, have you ever taken an anthropology class? No, not in school. What, what kind of what are the, what kind of schools do you have in Iowa? I didn't go to college in <laughs> Iowa. I went in Tennessee, so this oh, is not an Iowa problem. Okay, we're going to blame this on Tennessee, <laughs> yeah. which which is fine. Uh, a lot of bad things happen in Tennessee. It's I hear. <laughs> I took an anthropology class when I went to the to the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, which is a really sophisticated place. A lot of intellectuals are there, uh, where the where the N on the helmet stands for knowledge. I'm told on the football <laughs> helmet. So I will never forget the anthropology class that I had to take to meet some requirements. And the professor just went on and on regularly about how stupid Christians are hmm. uh, and about how stupid the Bible is. Uh, it was quite the distinction from Machen's book on anthropology, What is Man? Well, thanks for telling us a little bit about your life, Pat. You can get up <laughs> off the couch now, and we're going to soldier on with ah, our book. Ah, because we're Machen's warrior <laughs> children right. we're, we're soldiering soldier on. on. Who wrote these notes? That is, that's next to brilliant. <laughs> well, Machen says, according to the Bible... Man is a sinner under the just condemnation of God. According to modern liberalism, there is really no such thing as sin. And at the very root of the modern liberal movement is the loss of the consciousness of sin. The consciousness of sin was formerly the starting point of all preaching, but today it is gone. In contrast to that, he says paganism is optimistic with regard to the unaided human nature, whereas Christianity is the religion of the broken heart. Mm which really resonates in yeah. my mind and in my heart. Christianity is the religion of the broken heart. So we are broken. We are sinful. We're estranged from God. There's nothing we can do to solve our problem. Mm. We need help from the outside. We need God's sovereign grace. We need a substitute. We need a redeemer. We need Christ. Yeah. But apart from knowing this, we don't need Christ, right. which is really what he's getting at. So let's learn from what he's emphasizing here, and that is don't try to somehow promote a Christianity that doesn't require atonement, right. that doesn't require reconciliation, that doesn't talk about sin. The Bible says sin is lawlessness, so we've broken God's law. First John chapter 3, we're law violators, therefore we're under condemnation, therefore we need justification. Machen goes on to say, in a similar vein, as it would relate to the religion of the broken heart, he says, in saying that Christianity is the religion of the broken heart, we do not mean that Christianity ends with the broken heart. We do not mean that the characteristic Christian attitude is a continual beating of the breast or a continual crying, woe is me, nothing could be further from the fact. No. On the contrary, I love this part, Christianity means that sin is faced once for all mm -hmm. and then is cast by the grace of God forever into the depths of the sea. Yeah. See, we have good news, great news, but we actually don't have good news or great news if we don't have the awful news of man being depraved, man being dead in trespasses and sins. So the good doctor then says, without the consciousness of sin, the whole of the gospel will seem to be an idle tale. I'm so uncomfortable preaching about sin and telling people about condemnation. I do it all of the time, mm. but I'm... I mean, I'm, I may be a jerk sometimes, but yeah. I do care about people and, and it seems wrong spirited, but I'm committed to doing it in as thoughtful, but clear and biblical a way as possible because otherwise the gospel does not make any sense. Right. And that's why Machen says we have to preach the law. I'm really, really thankful that he says that. 
uh, that we have to preach the law, the whole law, he actually yeah, even says law. in our chapter. Yeah. Because apart from knowledge of, uh, of the law, we don't know about sin. And if we don't know about sin, the Savior from sin is a therapist, maybe, right. uh, is a helper. Um, wh- wh- what in the world? Why, why, are, why do we struggle with this so much, I wonder? Is yeah. it because we just want to be famous? Because we want to be rich? Because we want people to like us? Yeah. Uh, Machen's dealing with and opposing people who are, are afraid that if we tell people the truth, they won't keep coming. Hmm. Uh, translation, they won't keep giving. Translation, they won't like us. Translation, we won't be popular and on the cover of Time magazine. Right. Uh, we have to get it in our minds that we're, as Christians, we preach good news to sinners, and we do so because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Yeah. But salvation and the gospel don't make sense if we don't have law, if we don't have sin, if we don't have violation of sin. I'm inspired by the clarity and the bravery of Machen here. Yeah. So since you bring up the law, I think plenty of people don't know what we mean by the law. Maybe clarify that a little bit for us. I would almost pay people to listen to me tell them what the law is. <laughs> I, would almost, I would almost pay people to do that because so many people... Christians in particular don't know what the law is. Simply put, the law is what God requires. And you can't understand sin unless you understand what God requires. It takes us back again to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Sin is lawlessness. Yeah. So sin is the breaking of God's requirements, of his standards, and it leads to condemnation. So let's have it clear in our minds. Uh, sin, sin is lawlessness. The law is what God requires. And if we want to go back to what Jesus does in summarizing it, it is love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, right. and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So we preach that. That's what God requires. So people know that they haven't and can't in right. and of themselves. And then the gospel will start to make a lot of sense. Yeah. Mike, let's end on a high note. And a great high note to end on would be what Machen says on the last page of this chapter. It is en fuego. The fundamental fault of the modern church is that she is busily engaged in an absolutely impossible task. She is busily engaged in calling the righteous to repentance. Modern preachers are trying to bring men into the church without requiring them to relinquish their pride. They're trying to help men avoid the conviction of sin. The preacher gets up into the pulpit, opens the Bible, and addresses the congregation somewhat as follows. You people are very good. He says, you respond to every appeal that looks toward the welfare of the community. Now we have in the Bible, especially in the life of Jesus, something so good that we believe it is good enough even for you good people. Can you believe it? (laughs) Sorry to interrupt you, but you can hear this happening. And I want to say, if your pastor sounds like this, you need to find a different pastor. That's the negative side. But I want to say, if your pastor purposely doesn't sound like this, Mm. you need to give him a raise and you need to encourage him because this is common. This is ordinary in today's evangelicalism. And so encourage, pray for your pastor if he doesn't sound like this and may God bless him. Yeah. And he finishes in this quote and says, such is modern preaching. It is heard every Sunday in thousands of pulpits, but it is entirely futile. Even our Lord did not call the righteous to repentance, and probably we shall be no more successful than he. Probably. Probably. Do do you think? Probably. So tongue-in-cheek, well-stated from Machen. 
Well, as we wrap up, Mike, why don't you go ahead and let people know how they can contact us? We've gotten some good questions through different means. Yeah, you can contact us either on Twitter. You can send us a direct message there. You can contact us on Instagram. You can also, if you would like, there's this old school thing called email. Please. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. That's connect at thepactum.org. Well, Mike, I think this has been an awfully good podcast. (laughs) And we'll see you next week on The Pactum. 